Welcome to this week Inside Sim Racing, January 14th, 2018 edition. It's crazy. It's like we were doing shows in 2017, and then all of a sudden 2018 came. And a couple weeks into 2018. <laughs> so, apologize for the gap in shows. We'll talk more about that later. But, um, yeah, wanted to bring back kind of... I don't know. I wanted to bring back this week Inside Sim Racing. Obviously, this isn't the live format. Obviously, it's just me. Um... It's almost kind of like what we had previously when me and Darren were in the same place because here I am with the laptop and uh, going to go over some news stories here. But, you know, for the longest time we've done the show and done it live, people asked, well, not everyone, because some people that really love the live aspect of the show, but there's also people that are kind of like, well, instead of having this cluster that is a live show with a bunch of technical issues, why don't you just record it and it can be a lot quicker and get to the news items and things like that for those of you who don't go and, I don't know, follow all the different sim racing news during the week. So I'm um, going to go and try to kind of explore that path here starting today. So on the news docket today, going to be talking about Thrustmaster's new T TSPC Racer Ferrari 488 Challenge wheel, uh, the Asus bezel-free triple screen kit that we saw at CES this week that kind of got some attention. I'm going to kind of blow that one up. Uh, the Dice Awards has a racing game of the year. And I think there was some snubbery when it came to that. Uh, so I want to talk about that. The Chili Bowl and AI is coming to iRacing. And there's uh, even some other things to talk about there. So a lot of good topics to talk there. Uh, a game called Dakar 18 was announced. Okay, well, kind of announced. We'll get more to that. Want to do, And then I want to do a TLDR review. So a couple weeks ago, I was going to release a review on the Toby Eye Tracker. 4C or whatever it's called, and um, let's just say I kind of lost motivation on doing that one, and there's a reason for that. So we're going to do the TLDR review here on this week inside sim racing. Uh, then we're going to do something called the conversation, which is a kind of a segment we've kind of done from the beginning. It was kind of my original intention of the show, and it's almost kind of gets into beyond the gloves type area that me and Billy were doing. But uh, this week, the conversation, I want to talk about the e-racing relevance struggle. So, um, relevance, relevance, let's go with relevance, the relevance struggle. Because, um, yeah, it's been a whole lot of talk about e-racing and I have my opinions on it. And then we'll get to happenings, we're going to talk about, uh, got a little bit of a upgrade to the PC back there, you can kind of maybe see it. And then uh, other happenings going on here. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the news. Uh, I'm going to try to go and put some videos and pictures and make this a little more interesting for you guys to watch on YouTube besides just looking at me. But there will be the audio podcast version up on SoundCloud of this because it's going to be a little more of a podcast function with a little more, again, kind of like Beyond the Gloves, a little more talky than visual. But I'll try to go and throw some things up into the video version after this. But if you're not entertained, that's on you because you always listen to the audio podcast version listen to it in your car or wherever. So, uh, first topic, the Thrustmaster TS PC Racer Ferrari 488 Challenge wheel was announced this week. This is a wheel that we've kind of known about. There were images that people took at, uh, I believe it was Paris Games Week back uh, a couple months ago now. Saw images of it, so kind of knew this was coming, just really didn't talk about it until it was officially announced, but it was officially announced this past week. Um... The biggest thing about this wheel is you get the TSPC Racer base, so we know what that is, nothing new there. The new part is the actual wheel itself, which is the 488 Challenge 
wheel. Kind of a evolution of the 599XX Evo 30 uh, wheel. Unlike the 599XX though, that's a, a standalone. You can buy the wheel, put it on any Thrustmaster wheelbase. The TSPC Racer Ferrari 48888 Challenge, easy for me to say, is a wheelbase and wheel package. So you have to buy them together. Um, the wheel comes in at 32 centimeters in diameter, which is, you know, two more centimeters than the 30 centimeter diameter 599 rim. Uh, it features two D-pads with push functions, two metal rotary switches with push functions, and eight action buttons. So um, a good amount of buttons on it. I will say I'm not entirely love with the color scheme of it, if I'm being honest. There's some buttons on there that look a little, um, I don't know. We'll just have to see when we get our hands on it, kind of how it more looks uh, in real life. But pictures-wise, eh. Um, I do like the metal rotary switches, though. I do like, I do like, those look pretty cool. It also features a 15 LED rev counter on it, on the actual wheel itself, which is a nice thing to have. You know, rev counters, you know, how much use they have is kind of dependent on what you do. Obviously, if you race in VR, they have no use at all. Um, I feel like sometimes they're, some cars are more useful than others. I will say, if there is going to be a rev counter, I prefer to have it on the wheel than on the wheel base, because when it's on the wheel base, it's almost just like so far away from you, you just, I don't know if it really helps. It's kind of better to have it right there on the wheel, closest to your peripheral vision. Um, the wheels, be, the wheel goes on sale in February, and it will come out at the price of 699 US dollars, 599 pounds, and 649 euros. So uh, this is a bit of a price hike over the TSPC Racer. I actually looked it up on Amazon, and currently in the US you can get a TSPC Racer for $400. So uh, this is a, what is that, a $300 premium uh, pretty much an upgrade to the wheel, which I mean the TSPC racer wheel It's not the flashiest um, You know remember if we, we did a comparison between the TSPC racer and I believe it was the Fnatic CSL uh, Elite with the formula rim um, The Fnatic formula rim I think has you know better button choices It's definitely you know nicer materials and stuff like that. You got the rev you got the actual what gear you're in there but it was it's just a little it was a little small for me. I like to see a little larger, which hopefully that McLaren uh, rim that Fnatic's coming out with will kind of solve that issue. At least I think it will. Um, but anyway, the TSPC racer in terms of just being a functional wheel, I think it functions pretty well. I think it's 28 centimeters in diameter, 30 off the top of my head, and it's got you know nice thick grips on it. So uh, it's a very comfortable wheel to drive on. So um, yeah, a three hundred dollar premium to go and get the LEDs. You get the 32 centimeter diameter, and then you also get, you know, obviously it's Alcantara wrapped and all that kind of stuff. I assume it's going to be, it, it looks, obviously I don't have it yet, uh, it looks to be pretty similar to the 599, which the 599 is one of my favorite wheels out there in sim racing. I mean, the Alcantara on it is just, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything better than it. You know, I, I like the Sparco wheels that Thrustmasters come out with, and I mean, the, definitely the, the wrap on the Sparco wheels is nice. Uh, it's definitely very grippy, but in terms of just like softness, I feel like the 599 Alcantara is still, you know, maybe a little step above that. It kind of depends on feel. Um, so I still really like that a lot, and uh, it looks like we're probably getting something similar here, but um, yeah. 
$300 price hike, so uh, definitely a bit of money there. It looks nice. I'm also be interested to know is I like 30 centimeters in diameter. There's some people that have asked me, um, I think it was something on Instagram a while back. I don't know if I answered this question, so I apologize. But someone asked, should I get the 599 or get the uh, Sparco 33 centimeter diameter wheel that I'm missing off the top of my head, the Raleigh wheel? And I kind of, I don't think I answered at the time because I was waiting to see when this was going to be announced because I kind of saw this wheel as a replacement to the 599. Um, but instead, it kind of falls in between here. And I think the 30 centimeters is a more versatile size than 32. Because, you know, the 33 centimeter diameter wheel from the Sparco wheel, uh, I really like that for rally racing, for NASCAR oval racing, and I talked about it in that review. I think it's really good for those forms of racing. But I don't know if I want that larger diameter wheel when it comes to racing like, you know, GT cars or other, you know, especially Formula cars. Um, so that's where I think, I feel like the 30 centimeter diameter kind of is that happy medium. So it'll be interesting. I mean, the 32 centimeter diameter of this new Ferrari 488 challenge is a nine tenths replica. So it's not even full size. The, the actual wheel is even larger, which, um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a sim racing thing. Cause you know, it, obviously I have a full size regular, you know, my daily car, Volkswagen GTI, you know, it's probably like, I don't know, 33, 34 centimeters diameter, and that feels right. But when I go sim racing and I use that larger diameter wheel, I'm kind of like, oof, this feels kind of large. So um, I don't know what it is. Maybe that's just a weird thing between real world and sim racing, or maybe it's just when I get into race cars, I'm thinking smaller wheels. And even as I've gone here recently, I keep on lowering my degrees of rotation uh, on my wheel, which is kind of funny because I remember years ago, it was like a big deal when a sim racing wheel was 900 degrees of rotation or 1080. It's like, oh, it's so exciting. Look at all this rotation. You know, it was kind of seen as like 360 is bad. It's not enough. Now, you know, I've raced at five, you know, I used to race at 900. Then, especially when I was on Logitech, because that's just what it was. Uh, and then I kind of moved to 540. And here recently, I've gone more to 360, where I really want uh, a quicker, more nimble feel. I don't have to turn the wheel as much, especially, you know, open wheel cars, you kind of have to if you do anything like a formula car. So um, it, it's kind of funny to see that backtrack there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, we will, um, we will see. I don't know where I was going there. I don't know how to end that. So on to the next topic. So next topic is... From CES this week, Consumer Electronics Show, uh, all the cool new tech. I know I've been kind of keeping up this week with the different PC-type stuff. Um, RGB everything, which I'm actually not against. Again, if you see my computer back there, uh, I got the RGB uh, RAM, and I do like that. So um, anyway, but there was one thing that kind of came out that kind of hit in the sim racing size, and this is the, well... It's not sim racing, but they kind of, I feel like, targeted it. And that's the ASUS bezel-free triple screen kit. So um, a lot of people were reporting on this. I actually watched the Linus Tech Tip video on this. I like watching that channel, and they showed this off with a very uh, clickbaity uh, title in it. But anyway, ASUS showed off this, this uh, bezel-free kit SES where essentially they go and you put, like, a piece of plastic over top of the bezels on a triple screen, and they mirror the monitors 
so that you can't see the bezels. Um, I made a big deal about it, but this isn't anything new. I want to say back in late 2015, uh, Frex that does uh, sim racing products out of China or Japan, somewhere over there in Asia, um, they reached out to us asking if we wanted to review essentially the same thing. And it, it was the exact same product. We have a couple pieces of plastic that have angles, so you go and you reflect the monitors, and it kind of gives you, kind of lose the bezels. And, um, you know, me and Darren, we talked about it, and we decided to say no. Uh, specifically, it was right after I got my BenQ monitors hooked up, and the catch with it was that you had to have flat monitors. You couldn't really have a curve, because then it wouldn't really work. And then also, you had to have the angle of the monitors be... Uh, precisely whatever it is. I forgot what the angle was. Maybe like a 45 degree angle or something. And at that time, and even still, I'm running a lot tighter of an angle because I really like to get those monitors wrapped in close. I mean, quite frankly, I don't have them right now wrapped as much as I like to be in it because I got to do a little construction here on the house to... uh, I have those wall-mounted side monitors. Well, all three of them are wall-mounted. But I can't quite get the side monitors as tight and wrapped around me as I like them to be to give that, you know, the bat as we've been calling it for a long time, effect. So um, I didn't like that fact of it, so we decided to pass on it. And then here we go, Asus comes out with this bezel kit um, that they say is going to be available for less than $100. So um, that's an awful lot of money for a couple, you know, a a triangular piece of plastic. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't look bad. Seeing the videos of it, I mean, it does cover up the bezel, and uh, so I think it does succeed there. So, I mean, if you're into that, I don't think it's a... You know, if if you have flat monitors and you're okay with the angle they have, which is a little more open than what I would care for, if I'm being frank, um, you know, go knock yourself out. But nothing really new there. So uh, yeah, kind of it's just it's kind of funny to see that and you know be like, oh, this is a new amazing thing, and it's like, no, this has been around and it's not that great because the reflections stretch the what you're seeing from the screen. So it you know, meh. I don't know. Not that exciting, but. If you're into that, that is an option. I know for me, you know, especially with the ultra-wides, the bezels, they don't bother me at all. I always bury my left bezel, especially when I'm driving a tin-top car into the A-pillar, so I really never notice it. It's never an issue, but... Okay, on to our next topic, and that is the DICE Awards nominations for Racing Game of the Year. And, um... Boy, I think there's some snubs happening on here. So the DICE Awards, this is an industry gaming awards. Uh, I think it's in San Francisco or LA or something like that. It's coming up here soon. Uh, I'm not even sure when. But uh, DICE stands for Design, Innovate, Communicate, Entertain. So, um, yeah, it's kind of the big... It's kind of... I think if you're a game designer, this is kind of one of the awards you really want to win. Especially here in the US. I know the UK have their own awards ceremony. And I don't know if this is like... The American version, I don't know if it's considered a little bit higher, because uh, there are a lot of developers here in the U.S. But um, anyway, it's an awards, and here are the nominees. Uh, Dirt 4, Forza Motorsport 7, Gran Turismo Sport, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and Project Cars 2. Uh, obviously, one of those things is not like the other. Um, but I assume Mario Kart 8 deserves to be in there. I haven't played it, but uh, I do love Mario Kart, so you know, I, I don't have any issue with that. But... There are two games I kind of have issue with. Uh, First up is Dirt 4. Uh, I don't know if I... Okay, I wouldn't have that in my top five games of the year. Um, 
you know, from a quote-unquote sim racer's perspective, I don't know if it quite hit the mark. Well, it didn't hit the mark, let's be honest. Uh, Dirt Rally seemed to hit the mark more than Dirt 4, which is disappointing because, I mean, really had a lot of hype going into it. You know, I played it, I kind of tested it early on, and I, you know, talking with the developers that we did, uh, really had high hopes for what they were doing, and it just didn't quite pan out. Uh, and then also, you know, not only from a sim racing perspective, but just from a racing game in general, I don't know, it'd be inter- interesting to know the sales numbers on it, because, I mean, the after-release support on Dirt 4 has been like, has been like one major update that only came out a couple months ago, you know, well after its June release, so it's kind of telling, I believe, to see what the lack of support has been after release, so, um, yeah, I wouldn't have Dirt 4 in there. I also wouldn't have Forza Motorsport 7 in there. Like, I don't think that moves the needle. I don't think there's any innovation there. You know, design-wise, it looks pretty. Uh, it runs in 4K HDR if you're running on the Xbox One X. You know, now it's on the PC, but that's not necessarily... That's not anything new to the game industry. So, um, yeah, Forza Motorsport 7 just didn't really, you know, it just kind of felt like, you know, I felt like 6 was a step up. Uh, Horizon 3 has some step up there. And then, you know, 7 is just kind of, I don't know, more of the same. I wasn't uh, too impressed with it. So, um, Gran Turismo Sport, Mario Kart 8, Project Cars 2, I'm totally fine with. Uh, If I had to adjust that list, I I will say, it kind of feels like they, they... and who knows, you know, racing games when it comes to general video game coverage is always kind of sketchy. You know, the person over at IGN who's, you know, playing on a controller, uh, you know, covers a lot of games, but maybe he's the go-to, he or she is a go-to racing game person and kind of drops in when a new game comes out, plays it for 15 minutes and puts a three-minute review out there. Um, they're just not really the best source to go to for this. So I kind of feel like they went, okay, let's see what are the big releases in racing games this year. Okay, let's cover all those. That's what it feels like. I feel like they released, they covered the games that probably had the most, I don't know, maybe marketing behind them. But anyway, if if I went and I could remove those two games, I would, and I would put in uh, F1 2017 as a nominee for best racing game of the year. F1 2017 definitely innovated and moved the needle on from 16, and overall, I thought it was a really good package. Why overall, we had a pretty positive review of it. And then I'd also have WRC 7, which, you know, never would have thought I would have had uh, a WRC game going over a Dirt Codemasters game, but, I mean, WRC 7 really impressed us. Again, not a perfect game, uh, but, I mean, just the playability of all the different stages on there just really blew my mind. I mean, the stages are just so great and the physics are good enough that it works and um and hopefully those of you who had bugs those have been worked out i didn't have you know me and billy when we did that review we didn't have any bugs with the game a bunch of you guys went into the comment section and noted how you had a bunch of bugs and it really wasn't playable so um you know your mileage may vary depending on what you have uh, especially on the pc so that kind of sucks, but hopefully that's been fixed. And um, yeah, when I play a rally game, I still I go back to WRC7. So I would have those two games in there. Now for who I would have to win Racing Game of the Year, uh, that is a hard one. Like I am really, uh, I really do think F1 2017, WRC7, Gran Turismo Sport, Project Cars 2, I'll ignore Mario Kart, 
all really good efforts. Um, really good efforts that are very have a lot of playability. I enjoy, but also not perfect games. You know, there's things on all those that I noted uh, I had issue. You know, there were issues with. You know, it just wasn't perfect. Still very good. Um, man, I don't know who I would pick from them. Maybe F1 2017. I don't know. Maybe 2017. Uh, Grand Turismo Sport. Been really impressed with the online aspect of it. Project Cars 2 was definitely a, a big step forward from 1. So, um, man. I'm a little bit of a toss-up there. Between F1, GT Sport, and Project Cars 2. I think. Uh, I don't know. You guys can talk about it in the comments section. I'm sure you'll have an opinion. But, uh... Really neck and neck there. Good games, but not perfect games. Um, so anyway, let's go ahead and move on from that topic. And now let's get into iRacing land. There was a lot of news that broke over the past week. First up is the Chili Bowl is coming to iRacing. Yay! So ever since iRacing came out with Dirt last year... Um, I believe when me and Billy did the review of it, well, we did do this, when we did the review of it, one of, like, I think my final thoughts of it was that we need more tracks, and I specifically said I wanted to see the Chili Bowl. I think I even put an image up of it. You know, I want to see the Chili Bowl. Let's get that in the game. And uh, they came out with the Midget Car back in Season 1 of 2018. That was released in December. We took a look. I took a look at that in the first look. Um, and, you know, the Midget Car was a lot of fun, but... It's not really at home on the large half-mile dirt tracks that mostly make up uh, dirt oval racing in iRacing right now. You know, those are more for, you know, the 410 sprint, uh, wing sprint cars and stuff like that. But uh, anyway, the Chili Bowl from Tulsa, Oklahoma is coming to iRacing a proper short, I don't know what the length of it is, a quarter mile, maybe. Really small, because if you haven't seen it, it's inside a building, so... Um, Pretty awesome, and I'm happy to see that. And it's gonna be, uh, I think that's gonna be a lot of fun to see. Now, the iRacing crew was there this week in Tulsa scanning the track because the Chili Bowl just happened. Actually, it, it was happening from Tuesday to last night. And um, something that's pretty cool is iRacing was actually a sponsor of two cars in the race, both. Uh, current and future NASCAR stars, uh, Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell. I mean, both those guys have been in iRacing. Definitely, they've, they've helped develop the dirt stuff. Christopher Bell has spent a lot of time developing the dirt stuff. I've seen him in the Alpha forums giving feedback. And really, it was interesting. When uh, dirt was being developed last year, it kind of got to a point in development where uh, the, the staff at iRacing was really listening to both Christopher Bell and Billy on you know what to do i mean those those guys kind of became the lead because they just were giving they had the experience not only that they have the dirt experience but they were also giving you know that feedback that you need to really progress that so both christopher bell and billy had a uh, really big hand in dirt last year development and iRacing, and uh so should both definitely get kudos for that but um anyway iRacing sponsored their midgets and we're going to go into spoiler territory. If you haven't watched the race and you're planning on watching it, DVR, what have you. Not the easiest race to watch. I really wanted to watch it. you got to have, like, Mavs TV, and I don't. I cut the cords. So I don't have that. But um, anyway, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell both qualified on the front row for the finals last night. And Kyle Larson was leading the race, and then his engine blew. 
and that allowed Christopher Bell, who was running second, to go on and win the race. So the iRacing car won last night at the Chili Bowl. Pretty cool to see. It's, it's always cool to see when you see that transfer from sim racing real world and uh we saw that and hopefully they got a lot of people in the stands interested when iRacing comes out with the uh come out with a virtual chili bowl next year or later this year 2018 so i really sure i didn't write down in notes i i know i'm missing this i'm sure people are, sc- are screaming but i don't remember what the i don't have what the place is called where the chili, chili bowl is ran but it's just always known as the chili bowl in tulsa oklahoma so i didn't write down the actual facility but um yep that is very cool. Next up in iRacing land, the other big news from this week was iRacing president Tony Gardner went on the forums and did a development update for the game, kind of an outlook of where we're heading in 2018. And the big news out of there was AI is coming to iRacing. So he said that they have a small dedicated team that have been working on AI for iRacing and that it's actually very far down the road whatever that means uh, they're shooting for it to come out this year where you'll be able to go and have single AI races online or single stop let's start that over will you be able to run single races against AI that's better and then you can also do a custom championship season where you can go in and you know create your own 12-week season or what have you and run in a championship, which is good to see and is what every game that that has uh, dedicated AI, which now is pretty much everyone because iRacing was the only one that was online only, uh, every game should have. So this is is very interesting. This this has been a topic that's come up quite a bit uh, over the last couple of years, especially on on the Twizzler shows where you guys ask questions. And um, anytime it's come up, I've always been very much of, I don't think iRacing needs AI. It's an online structure. I think the online works. And I don't think it's necessary. But even with that said, there's been a lot of you guys that have wanted to see it. Where you go online, you have issues with, um, you know, getting wrecked. And uh, which I'll always, you know, I stand, I stand on, on uh, this point if you're able to drive clean enough and well enough, you can get up in the high enough divisions where you won't get wrecked all the time. I mean, I think that's just, I think that's just how it is. That's that's what I've experienced. So um, I feel like there's a little bit has to go on to you uh, that you got to put yourself in a position not to get wrecked and work your way up out of those lower split races. Because once you get to higher split races, those guys don't wreck. I mean, I mean, it happens once in a while, but uh, the racing is far cleaner so um you know i think a little bit of that's on you and also if you can qualify towards the front that also helps too so uh that's always been my kind of stand on that but anyway there are there are folks who struggle with getting wrecked or maybe they get nervous going and doing online racing and um you know so they don't really have an avenue to race so now having an ai offline mode will allow them to do that which is uh pretty cool they did say that tony did say at the beginning when they come out with ai that not every car slash series will be able will have ai uh it's gonna be a handful of them i think he noted the gr the recently added grc in there that they got to figure out how to do the joker lap and have ai going over jumps and not run into you and stuff like that so there could be some cars slash series that aren't released right away uh, for offline AI, but they will all eventually get it. Um, he also noted there'll be things like 
you know, difficulty and slider options that would have to be added to the UI, of course. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of a no-brainer, things like that that have to be added. But, yeah, so um, that will be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, again, it's, 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 it's nice to see for those who want it. I will say my only concern about it, and I did see some people voice this concern in the iRacing forums, is um, iRacing has a lot of different series going right now a lot of series and the user base is still you know whatever size you know x and yeah you have this many users and you have this many different series that you have to go and and fill up and inevitably there's series that just don't get as much participation and once those series don't get participation it becomes tough and it really comes down to a dedicated group of people to go and you know say okay we're going to run this time slot during the week or during the weekend or whatever like that um and there's just there's just a bandwidth issue there in terms of number of users and now that you go and add an offline mode now is a chance to get some people that would be going and racing online to dive who'd be racing online to dive offline. Now, on the other hand, part of me wants to say that the people who were struggling with online probably just aren't racing. You know, they're just doing, they're just doing test sessions or practice sessions, or they've left the service. So, you know, maybe you'll go and you get those people to come back and now they can go and race offline. So you're not really losing anything from your online user base. But I do think there will be some, some degree of loss it's just a question of how much. And, you know, that could go and it, it dilutes the pool of people that go and race online these different series. So um, it's kind of the point that I was getting at when we reviewed Gran Turismo Sport. And one thing that got me really excited is it was an iRacing system, which was about time someone copied the iRacing system, you know, just copy it. Well, I mean, unless it's patented, go ahead, use that system. And apply it to a game that has a huge user base. I mean, comparatively. I know Gran Turismo isn't necessarily the size that it used to be. But uh, there is, I assume, you know, four times, five times, 12 times as many people that are playing Gran Turismo Sport than iRacing. You know, it could be bad. You know, there's a lot more people that are playing that game. And and I think it showed when I'd go and race online because I'd race people that were like, you know, very close to the same level. Like, I felt like I was having good races. I know some people that go on there and they complain about Grand Turismo Sport getting wrecked and all sorts of that. Uh, and, I mean, I do think you're going to have a little more of a wrecker issue racing online in GT Sport than you are in iRacing. That's, you know, in general is a more serious endeavor than Grand Turismo Sport is. But, anyway, I think that's where, that, was, that got me really excited because it's like, Finally, you have the bandwidth of users to go and populate these races and, you know, really keep it a nice narrow band of people in the same driving skill as you. So, um, you know, that's something where that was cool to see and we'll, we'll see where this goes with iRacing, you know, when AI comes out, hopefully later this year. Um, anyway, uh, and then besides just AI, that was kind of the biggest thing to come out because that was a surprise. We didn't know about that. But I want to hit on a couple other topics that came out of uh, Tony's post in the forums. Uh, he said that new graphical and physics damage model is in the works and they are shooting for a 2018 release. Uh, this is definitely a big one. 
I, me and Billy kind of talked about this a little bit at some point, but um, you know, I think iRacing has the best damage model in sim racing, and it's two things. It's not necessarily that that iRacing's damage model is a ten out of ten. It's more probably like a I don't know, a 5 or 6 out of 10. It's just that everyone else is like a 1 out of 10. I mean, the damage model across the board in other racing games is overall pretty terrible. I mean, it's just not very good. Uh, Both in getting mechanical damage and seeing physical damage. It's just the bar is extremely low. So iRacing, I feel like, has always, you know, you go and hit the wall, you you see a fender bust up, you can get the wheel knocked off, I feel like, in a realistic manner. Now, of course, there's things that are kind of ridiculous, you know, cars getting shot up in the air, um, the I, the uh, Indy car, the DW12, and, well, all the, Indy, the previous Indy car as well, uh, you get in a big wreck at Indy, and the car just spins in tornadoes, and it's just, you know, almost vomit-inducing in, inducing when that happens. So, uh, there's clearly big issues there. But I feel like in general, when it comes to just rubbing, getting into people, it's probably the best out there. But they are in need of updates, get it so you don't have tires that are hanging off. And the biggest thing that I remember, they talked about damage model, probably, I think it was spring of 2016 they first talked about it. And they talked about shedding parts. You know, that's the big thing. Got to shed parts, got to get rid of all that, you know, that energy. That's the issue with IndyCar is it just balls up and then you have this, all the center of mass moves and it just keeps on spinning instead of shedding parts and slowing down the momentum of the of the crashing car. So um, it's good to see that, and that's hopefully going to come out this year, so that'll be nice to see. Also shooting for this year is day-night transition. So um, obviously something else that's becoming a lot more common here in the uh, racing game, sim racing uh, industry. We see it with Project Cars has it. Um, who else has it? A bunch of, bunch of others. I feel like have it these days. So that's something that we'll be uh, seeing hopefully in 2018. So that will be good. Um, speaking of day-night transitions, next weekend is the iRacing Daytona 24. Uh, we are planning on running it. I guess, well, not much of a we these days. But uh, <laughs> me, Darren, uh, Scott Holmes, who's raced on the team the last couple of years. Uh, Jens, I believe, uh, one of, someone that uh, Darren brought in. And then uh, Tom Foost, who uh, did some racing with us last year, and he's here locally, uh, not far from where I live. We're going to be racing next week in the Ferrari GTE car, so um, I'm excited to do that. But like in the past, you know, well, forever, uh, static conditions and eye racing, so it's 24 hours in the, in the dark. So um, it'll be nice, hopefully, in the 2019 edition of the race, which is like my favorite race of the year to run, uh, that we'll see proper day-night transitions. So, that will be nice. Uh, other news, uh, a new tire model's coming. I don't know what number we're on. I think we're at number 5,000, but a uh, new tire model is in development, whatever that means. Um, and then also working on taking the beta UI to a final, complete, official new UI sometime this year. So right now you can go and try out the beta vi- version. Um, I kind of bounced in between. I-, I went back and I tried the beta not too long ago, and, you know... There's still, I still feel like it needs some development, so I've kind of been staying more on the uh, old school, more user web base than the the new beta version. So um, hopefully we'll see more development to that and see that into a final state where it has everything you need right there. Um, and then as far as new content, I'm just going to go and read what Tony wrote here in his paragraph because it sums everything up. 
as far as content working on multiple new tracks, including Road, Oval, Dirt, and GRC, and the complete redo of an Oval track. I'm curious what Oval track that is. You know, uh, for the longest time, people have been asking for Michigan to be redone, it's been repaved, Pocono's been repaved, uh, and is quite different now. Uh, what else has been repaved recently? Uh, no, they got Phoenix. Those are probably the two biggest ones off the top of my head. So, it'd be nice to see those get updated, or at least one of those. Um, let's see. Hopefully we will plug away on more tracks. Uh, speaking of updates, I really love to see updates to the older road courses. I mean, iRacing has been out for coming up on 10 years later this year, and tracks like VIR, uh, Silverstone, Obviously, Silverstone's had a complete makeover since it was scanned and iRacing. Uh, what else needs could use some help? Um, uh, some there's some of the other other ones that definitely. What's what's the one that's part of the base package up in Connecticut? Lime Rock. Lime Rock could use an update. Uh, so there's a good number of tracks there that could see some updates. And while I've I've always understood people have always asked to see those old tracks updated. I've always understood why iRacing kind of held off because, you know. Then you go and you kind of have to, because of the work, you kind of have to charge people for that new track. And, you know, that's always kind of a, an icky topic to get into. So um, I, I understand why they've kind of just always pushed on to getting new things. But I do think coming up on 10 years into it, especially some of those tracks that came out originally or in the first year or two, um, there's definitely big rooms for improvement there. And it's getting time. Uh, let's see. Uh, literally dozens of cars in the works in some form or production or licensing, including many new road cars and updates to existing road and oval cars. We, are or we already shared working on LMP1 cars. You should have those as soon as next season build. That's very exciting. So um, we'll be seeing the, what was it, the Porsche and Audi LMP1 cars from the 2016 season, since that was last year for uh, Audi's. Uh, our, which R is it on? 10? 15? I don't remember. Anyway, so uh, yeah, that'll be cool to see LMP1 cars. Unfortunately, it's after LM it's after both Audi and Porsche have left LMP1, and the, w the WEC is just a burning trash can of fire. And if you argue anything differently, you're wrong. The WEC is so just they're they're just fucked. I mean, they're just like the WEC is so screwed. I'm tired of WEC and, you know, their leadership that kind of poo-pooed on uh, the IMSA series. And now IMSA is stronger than ever and, you know, running some of the, running the best tracks in North America. Um, yeah, WEC, get out of here with your dumb year-and-a-half winter calendar. Ugh. It's so silly. And then you have, you have Toyota running it in LMP1 and then you got these other privateer LMP1s and, and they look like they were designed by a two-year-old. Wind tunnel wise, it's just like WEC is a mess. Uh, the car count's terrible. Ugh. Anyway, so I'm excited to drive the LMP1 cars, though. <laughs> it's nice to have a proper car for Lamar. It's just unfortunate that it's an old car. Um, let's see. Uh, these cars and a lot more, a lot more work to build. Um, more to come on content and everything else we have moved forward. Hope you like the Chili Bowl video. So there you go. That's the updates to iRacing. So a lot of big things. AI, day-night day transitions, uh, new damage physics model, uh, if all, you know, the, the UI. So if all those things hit in 2018, that makes for a pretty big year for iRacing's uh, 10th anniversary. And that will be 
very nice to see. On to our final news item of the show, and that is that that Dakar, Dakar, D, I don't, Dakar, I don't, is that right? Okay. Uh, Dakar 18 was announced. Um, so Dakar 18 is going to go after, is going to recreate the famous Dakar rally, um, or Dakar, Dakar. Is it Dakar? That might be it. All you guys let me know. I know you will. Uh, the game is coming from publisher Deep Silver, who also did the did Assetto Corsa on the consoles, and developer Big Moon Studios, who has worked on WRC and MotoGP franchise in the past. Um, while this first trailer came out this week, which tells us next to nothing. I mean, it shows you got motorcycles and cars and trucks and quads and, and S by S, 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 SXS, I don't know. Whatever those big, uh, <laughs> those big... T- Things that look like they come from Tatooine and Star Wars. Those big brick uh, buses or trucks, whatever the hell they are. I mean, who, who came up with that? Is that, is that a thing overseas? Because we don't have that here in the U.S. And I don't see what the point is besides just a big fucking truck that runs through the desert. That's what it looks like to me. So anyway, uh, those are coming in the game. Besides that, we don't know much. Uh, the game was technically announced back in November at the Lisboa Game Week. Apparently, everyone missed that because I don't know what that is. Um, and the video that's online is just a guy talking forever about it, uh, not showing anything. So um, now we got this first trailer, which obviously doesn't look like what the game will look like. It looks like it's all just a pretty video. And uh, no idea if it's Sim or Simcade or whatever other silly term you want to put throw out there to describe racing in uh computer racing in 2018 but uh yeah that is coming sometime dakar 18 so i assume sometime this year since it's 18 and we'll see what it's like um you know it sounds cool i like the idea of you can go run different vehicles run off run um you know out in the desert and uh the different environments they show in the trailer so uh We'll see. Also, be interesting to know. I mean, since you got a bike there and and, and, a, and a quad uh, ATV, that's probably going to be joyst- joystick control controller uh, controlled. So, uh, hopefully, there's wheel support. That's always kind of the, the concern that they come out with a game where you have to use a controller for some vehicles. Will they allow you to use a wheel for the uh, for the truck or the car or whatever those are in there? So. Um, That'll be interesting to see, but uh, maybe we'll learn more in the future. Or not. I don't know. Okay, so that will do it for the news. Now I want to go and um, I actually want to go and let's talk about the Toby Eye Tracker 4C TLDR review. Let's hold the conversation for a second. So let me get to my notes on this, which is right here. Oh, no notes on this. So anyway, this is the Toby Eye Tracker 4C, and we first learned about this, and by we, I mean me and maybe you guys in the audience watching our content, back when we reviewed F1 2017. This was an option, uh, an in-game option to turn on, to have a Toby Eye Tracker, and I, I think I noted that in the initial walkthrough of F1 2017. I was like, what the hell is this? Okay, never heard of it. But um, back sometime in the fall, uh, Toby reached out to me asking if we would like to review it. 
And I said, sure. So got it. And uh, it sat around on the shelf for a while as I got to other things, but eventually decided to go and play with it over the holidays, planning on doing a review of it. But lo and behold, it didn't test very well. So I didn't release a review of it. So how this works is this essentially goes onto your uh, monitor or onto your TV and it has two little dots that go and track your eyes and it's like track IR. So you can move your if you move your eyes left and right, up, down, wherever, then the things then on the screen will follow your eyes. You can have it, you can have it track your head. That's an option in F1 2017. You have it both track your eyes or head or both. And then you can change um, how aggressively it tracks. You can turn it down. So, you know, because if you turn up to the highest level, it can really bounce around. But Anyway, this ended up not working very well, and I think it didn't work very well because I was never able to properly get it aligned with my eyes. So, you know, this is more for regular gaming where you're going to have this thing, you know, pretty much like right in front of you attached to your monitor. You're sitting at a desk, you're, you know, playing keyboard mouse type game, and it has direct view to get your eyes. The issue I had with this is when it came to mounting this on a screen, which I couldn't mount it back here on my PC because the BenQ monitors are curved and it gives you a uh, it gives you a magnet to go and double-sided tape onto your, your TV or monitor and then this attaches onto that. And I couldn't do that with the curved screen and I wasn't going to jerry-rig some kind of way around that. So um, I took this to... First, the TV I have here in the studio and tried it out. And I with that and then used the next level rig, it ended up just being too low, being low and far away. And my wheel was essentially in between my eyes and the, the eye tracker. And also it was pretty darn low. So I don't know if it can come up at that high of an angle. And so I could just never get the tracking good. I know this because you go in and you and you, you, you calibrate it. And the calibration is really easy. But during the calibration, it always struggled to properly track my eyes. And that's because, honestly, I think my wheel was getting in the way. And that was after I lowered the, the wheel deck a whole bunch. Uh, so then I went out to actually my living room. And I put this on my TV and uh, out there. And, uh, you know, same type of, type of thing. I didn't have as much... Uh, interference because I went and I grabbed the GT Omega uh, art chassis it has wheels so I rolled it out to the living room and uh, the TV in the living room is up a bit higher so I didn't really have an issue of the wheel being in between me and the tracker but I was just too far away from it it kept on giving me warnings that it wanted me to get closer to it and there's just no way for me to get closer um, you know it's just not possible with that kind of setup now if I was able to run it here on the bat uh, I have my monitor is much closer to the wheel, but then again, I have it where my mo the, the bottom of my monitor is kind of like below the back of my wheel. So that wouldn't work either. So in the end, the head tracking was pretty um, nauseating. It's probably the best term. Uh, it was it was it was just very distracting. It was it was very rough. Um, if I turned it down a bit, it would help. But like I would go, and the biggest need I feel like this would um, the biggest need for this in sim racing would be looking over to your mirrors. So I'd go and I'd turn my head to look in the mirror and it would first delay that look. And then when I try to came, come back, it would like stick and then come. And before I know it, I'm like, I was like off the road. Uh, so it was just very, it just didn't really work. It just didn't work. Um, 
And I don't know, like I said, again, I don't necessarily blame this. I think that the Toby Eye Tracker might work perfectly fine in a standard gaming uh, environment with, again, monitor, keyboard, mouse. But in terms of sim racing, a lot of times you just, you're, you're too far away from the screen or you have the wheel in between you and the tracker. So it just didn't work and I tried all different settings and uh, I mean, put a lot of time in this. I mean, this is $150, so this isn't inexpensive. I really wanted to go and give this the proper look through, especially because they sent it to me. And um, I just couldn't get it to work and I just kind of lost uh, motivation to go and release a standalone video ripping it. Because I just, just not really an application if you're running on a wheel and it's, uh, it's, it's very touchy to set up. So um, yeah, unfortunately, Toby Eye Tracker, for those of you who are looking to, are still on a single screen, like if you're on a TV and you roll your rig up to it, uh, you don't have a standalone monitors or you don't have uh, triple monitors and you don't have VR, um, this just, it just ended up not really working for me. So now some people, also real quickly, uh, some people might ask why I didn't put it at the top, the, the, the top bezel or whatever, the top of the TV or monitor. Um, it always said that it wants you to put it at the bottom, and also it has a bit of an angle, so it kind of it's kind of set so that it sits like it's pointing up at your eyes. So if you go and put this on top of the TV, I mean, you're it's going to be pointing up into space. And I don't think this can be turned upside down. I talked about keeping it right side up. So um, yeah, it's it's just not an option. Uh, it didn't appear like it's an option. Uh, maybe if they're able to go and mess with software or whatever, they could make that an option in the future because turning it upside down and pointing down would definitely be better. But then again maybe then at that point it's missing your eyes. So, um, yep, that is the, our TLDR review of the Toby Eye Tracker 4C. Uh, TLDR, it didn't work for sim racing. Okay, on to our next topic. And this is something I'm calling the conversation. And again, um, we've kind of done bits and pieces of this on the show over the past couple of years. Uh, I, I started off, I think the second episode ever of Twizzer, I went and I looked, I, I graphed the uniqueness of tracks in sim racing. What titles had the most, what tracks, kind of tracks they have, uh, what kind of unique tracks they have, because a lot of sims are just getting the same tracks in every single one. Um, spoiler, that pattern hasn't stopped, that's still a thing. But anyway, uh, want to have a conversation today. I thought about calling it the, was it Conversation Street? They call it the Grand Tour. I don't know what it is. I actually don't mind that part of the show. What I hate of that part of the show, what I hate, the, the, the segment I hate in the Grand Tour is, uh, what, their celebrity face-off or whatever. It's just, goes on forever. I just fast-forward through it. But, um, anyway, I want to talk about what I'm calling the e-racing relevance struggle. So, over the past week, there's been a couple e-racing, sim racing. And by e-race, you know, I mean like online competition, like, you know, e-gaming or whatever. Uh, stories that have popped up. Um, the first one was, and we have it up on our website. Uh, Paul wrote that up. Uh, by the way, Paul that blogs the website does a fantastic job. Um, and that is that sim races have been invited to the race of champions and... The, there's kind of a two parts to it. The first part is that the winner of the McLaren World Fastest Gamer, uh, Rudy Van Buren, will uh, actually be racing in a real car against the other, uh, you know, race of champions drivers. 
So that is very cool, and uh, I expect him to do pretty well, because, I mean, those top guys that were in the the world's fastest gamers, I mean, that was a stout list of sim racers that uh, I have no doubt can go into the real world and do well. And, I mean, it also helps that, you know, Rudy's younger. A lot of them were younger, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, physically he can handle it. Uh, so I expect him to do pretty well. I will say it is a terrible driver lineup this year. I mean, there's, there's some good drivers, but it's just getting kind of like up. It's like not as last year they had a lot of current drivers. It was in Miami and they had, um, they had, they had Vettel there and, uh, you know, IndyCar had a good showing of, of current drivers, NASCAR as well. Uh, it just seemed like it was a better crop. Uh, this year, no notables are David Coulthard and Tom Christensen, which, you know, they're both about 100 years old. Peter Solberg, also 100 years old. They have Lando Norris there, who at least is younger and up and coming and, you know, most likely we'll be seeing uh, in Formula 1 here soon enough. Hopefully, we'll see. He's with McLaren and they're kind of they're kind of filled on race seats at the moment. But um, anyway, um, that's very cool that, that, that uh, Rudy Van Buren's going to be racing in that. And then there is the Race of Champions E-Race. Because you got to throw an E in front of everything. Um, and this features five of the best sim racers. Uh, Brandon Lee, who won the F1 Esports Championship that was held uh, a couple months ago now. Uh, Kevin Lurin. I'm going to butcher these. Uh, who is Pro- Triple Project Cars World Champion. Enzo Benito, iRacing Block Pain GT3 Sprint Champion and Multiple World Record Holder. Uh, and then Alexander... Uh, Dorin, Dorinden, Dorinden, sorry, 2017 EWTCC champion, and lastly, Rudy Van Buren. So these guys are all going to race against each other. Uh, Rudy's already got a transfer into the actual race, but the rest of the guys will race, and the winner of that little E-race will then be able to jump in one of the real-world cars and go and race. Um, the E-race itself is being held, uh, they're doing it in a set of Corsa, in a, uh, essentially, I guess, a mod version of the uh, ROC Factor Skills Challenge course uh, and the main ROC parallel tracks. So I think the competition this year is in South Africa? No, Saudi Arabia. That's where it's at. But um, anyway, so that that is that is neat to see. So that is the first e-racing sport version story of the week. Uh, and something else that popped up is that, uh, a little closer to home here, is that NASCAR is working on an eSport. So articles came out saying that NASCAR is launching an eSport competition during race weekends uh, this year, which sounds very familiar to what Formula E has been doing now since, I believe, last season. And it's also something that F1 has talked about uh, about six months ago. Um, we talked about it here on the show. Uh, Ross Braun came out and said that uh, he would like to see... Uh, uh, some kind of e-sport competition happening uh, around F1, like possibly on race weekend. People can come out and compete and stuff like that. Um, so this is kind of following along those lines. Uh, and they talk about having stage races and, you know, it just sounds like it's going to be more or less an at-the-event, at-the-track competition. And that's kind of all we know at this point. There really wasn't much more put out beyond that. Um, but where I want to spin this... Uh, actually, let's wait a second. So, um, there's that. And, yeah, let's leave it there. Okay. So, 
Anytime these stories come out in our little sim racing bubble, uh, I'm kind of hating the term sim racing these days. I know we're inside sim racing, but it, it gets a little bit like, it gets a little bit elitist. And I almost rather be like, we should almost be like inside racing games or something. Because, um, yeah, just sim racing kind of, it, it kind of, it, it can be, um, there's some negative connotations with it. And some people that take things a little too seriously. But, Anyway, for lack of a better term, in our sim racing world that we all run in, um, there's a lot of hype about these competitions. Um, a lot of hype and um, you know, a lot of comments, especially from people that are in it, that really think this is going to be the next big thing and say it's going to rival the real racing events. Um, there's a comment here from Brandon Lee who won the, the F1 eSport uh, championship. He said, um, I think over time the audience might even grow to be as popular as real F1. Now, there's more to that quote that I'll finish in a second. Um, I think that actually I agree with. Um, but there's been a lot of comments like that. People think it's going to get as big of a sport. Uh, some other people, uh, Darren Cox, who runs Ideas and Cars, uh, he, he started off, um, what was it, the Gran Turismo uh, drivers thing god why am i forgetting that anyway he used to run N nissan's uh motorsports division and um and he started and he started that and he has ideas in cars which if you've been paying attention he has been all over the uh the vegas e-race the million dollar e-race that ran at ces last year now notably no vegas e-race this year so um i don't know what that means uh i don't i don't know if that means that didn't go well i don't know if that is any reflection on that? I mean, again, they had a million dollar purse for something that, um, quite frankly, you know, I think it had like 10,000 viewers live online, um, which is a lot of money for not that many viewers, which is something else I'm going to get into here in a second. Um, but, you know, I, I've, seen, I've seen Darren out there really... Oh, and he was also all over the McLaren World's Fastest Gamer. I mean, he was definitely involved in that. So um, uh, he's made comments that he thinks this is going to be the, you know, this is the the big next big thing. This is going to be you know the next big thing in motorsports. Uh, and then also I know uh, Dom Duan who manages Team Redline. He's made comments. Uh, there was an interview of him from the E Race saying he thinks this is you know the next big thing going to be you know rival real racing and stuff like that. And there's been others. So there's been a lot of comments like this. And it's been a lot of comments from people that I, I feel like are shareholders of it. They definitely have a vested interest in it doing well. And um, I'm just not as bullish on it, and there's multiple reasons. Um, one of the reasons is that, you know, ask me if I'd rather watch real racing or a sim race, what, what, what would be my answer? I'd rather watch real racing. So in terms from a watching standpoint and interest, uh, you know, eyes, eyes to screen, um, real racing is struggling right now. I mean, all the numbers are down globally. Uh, here in the U.S., it's very hard to get any kind of coverage on it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of racing around the world we can't even watch, and the stuff that is on TV, the, the TV audience and ratings aren't great. Um, there was a little uptick in F1 and IndyCar this year, but, I mean, to be fair, they were already so low that, you know, it's not much to write home about. NASCAR, which has been by far the most popular uh, racing series in the U.S. for, you know, since since IndyCar split up in the in the mid 90s um 
I mean, their ratings have been really down, which isn't a surprise. I almost did. I've been wanting to do more real racing coverage. Uh, I did like that. I think I did, I did a video uh, after the F1 race at Circuit of the Americas with the Max Verstappen pass and uh, track limits because that really got me fired up. And um, I want to do a video talking about how just kind of how just kind of fucked NASCAR is. <laughs> I mean, they really just are. They've just ran that thing into the ground. And people like me who've watched, I've watched NASCAR religiously since 95 when I was seven years old. And I mean, I just, I just have zero, I've, I've really little, very waning interest in it for a number of reasons. Um, and so, and that's, and that, and I'm not the only one that's showing in the ratings. So anyway, real racing is down in viewership. So I, I, I don't understand it from an eyeballs perspective, how it could be as big or even, even close to in the ballpark, um, and then, but you know, there is an argument on the flip side. And let me finish up this Brandon Lee quote because I, I do agree with this part. He started off with, "I think over time the audience might even grow to be as popular as real F one for the pure fact anyone can go and buy a copy of the game. Not everyone can buy an F one car and drive it. Well, that's an understatement. Uh, barely anyone can." It's all about motorsport being accessible. And of course, some people said that our race was more entertaining than the real Grand Prix the following day. Which, that is true. You can definitely get online races that are entertaining. I, you know, For the record, I do watch uh, a decent amount of the online races. Um, not as much as I used to because I'm just kind of busy with family and everything. But, I mean, I do watch them and, I, and I, I, there's definitely ones that I've thoroughly enjoyed. And they can put on definitely a better show than the real world because, you know, aero push and you know, aerodynamic issues aren't as much of an issue in the virtual world as they are in the real world. Even though I know the virtual world's trying to go and simulate that more, but to some degree, I almost don't want them to because it's nice in the virtual world when cars can run together. And then you could, and not like the real world where guys can't follow within a couple seconds of each other. Um, so that's nice to see from an entertainment standpoint. But um, I guess where I'm going here is I have much lower expectations for e-sports, uh, e-racing, e let's say, than other folks out there. And I think probably a lot of the industry, uh, or a lot of, a lot of the fan base, uh, like you guys that are watching, um, I think there are a few things that, that they should go for when it comes to uh, e-sports that would be quite nice to see. So I think that... Sim racing esports can indeed attract younger fan base. Um, racing fan base in general is getting very old. IndyCar talks about this. A lot of the fan base is 50s plus, and they just aren't getting young fans. NASCAR is seeing the same issue. And so I think that being able to do a sim racing esports will attract younger fans who go, oh, I could go and possibly do this. I mean, look at all these winners of these different esport events. They're all kids that are like 20 years old. I mean, they're all kind of around that range. So there is that. Um, I think that there is potential to grow it if there's a tie-in with Real World Series allowing that could allow racers to earn a living. So uh, jumping off the back of that article that came out earlier this week talking about NASCAR looking to get into uh, eSports, uh, NASCAR driver slash TV... Uh, I don't want to say personality, for lack of better words, but he does. He, he works for NBCSN now. Parker Kligerman, who is an avid sim racer, Darren talked about racing him back years ago when Parker was like 13 years old or something. Um, so Parker's done a lot of 
sim racing and then he got into going and racing in the real world and still races some truck races now. Unfortunately, he's one of the young guys that kind of got shuffled out a bit. But he went and um, he posted a story over on Medium, which I guess is a website, kind of a blogging site, uh, giving his thoughts on what would work. And he has some really good ideas. And essentially what his idea is, is that real-world NASCAR teams should have an e an eSport racing team with a driver. And then you have a three-tier system where you have the first tier being people going and racing NASCAR uh, Heat 2. You know, the, the, the console games that can get out to the broadest audience. Then you can go, and that's almost kind of like your truck, your truck series. Then you move up, and I think from there he says you go to iRacing, I believe. And that's kind of your Xfinity series. And then from there you have your current iRacing Peak Antifreeze World, World Series, World Cup, whatever it is. Um, that's your top-of-the-line drivers racing and iRacing, a much more hardcore uh, simulation. And you kind of start off where you get the guys that start running in NASCAR Heat uh, Series. And they're just looking to get in and qualify. And then if they can move up, maybe there's some award. There's a award system in there where they can win like a wheel or pedals. Or they can win a PC. And they can allow them to go and make that next jump up to the PC realm from possibly, you know, the Xbox or PlayStation. And then, you know, from there you get to the top series where you get into the iRacing World Cup. And, you know, those, those drivers are associated with a real-world team. Um, and then you also have it where you can have some races a year where there's some spots available for real-world NASCAR drivers to come down and race in that series and really work on the popularity of getting people to be able to watch it. You know, one thing he noted was, um, you know, right now that the fan base online for watching things isn't very big. Let me see where it's at in the story here. I think he noted how, like... Um, when it came to like the viewership for the iRacing Peak Antifreeze series, how the uh, the race at Daytona last year had uh, had like seventeen thousand views on YouTube, which is like nothing, and then uh, how uh, Joe Gibbs Racing has been doing a kind of weekly uh, sim racing series on iRacing, and how like on Facebook they had something like one hundred eighty thousand views or something. It was a really big. Oh, here it is. They had uh, 105,000 views on one of its league races being broadcast on Facebook. So it's about how the broadcast needed to be not only on YouTube, but also got to be on Twitter and Facebook, all live, all these different platforms. Um, now, one thing to be fair on Facebook, if you scroll by a video on Facebook, so if you follow Joe Gibbs Racing you're on, and you're on Facebook uh, and you go and you scroll and you scroll by it, they, they, they pretty much account that as a view. Uh, Facebook's really quite bad when it comes to that so a lot of times the views on facebook will be way inflated versus youtube which youtube makes you sit around and watch for 30 seconds a minute we don't really know what the number is but you have to go and watch it for a certain number certain amount of time before that click that counts as a view where i don't think facebook really has that so um anyway that is um that is a good point, and it's got to be something where you can go and spread it. He also noted how the uh, the Formula One finale last year with that F1 eSport championship that Brandon Lee won, uh, that had six hundred and seventy five that has six hundred seventy five thousand views on YouTube. Which you know that that now that's that's getting into some real numbers. That's that's getting pretty sporty. So um, you know you got to do things like that to get it out in front of people. But 
I do like the team aspect of this. We're seeing this in other sports, kind of. Um, there's a bunch of NBA teams that have started, or NBA owners slash teams that have started uh, eSport teams to play, like, th- I think games like Overwatch and things like that. And they're, and, they're, and they're actually stationed in the series where they're, in the series, in the city where they're at. So, like, I think, like, the Boston Celtics have an, e, an e-sport team, and all those guys live in Boston, and, you know, versus, you know, all different other cities across the U.S. So, um, I really like that idea, and having that relationship with a professional team and that influx of money will definitely help things out. And while... I don't expect the sim racers to get rich doing this, you know, because just the viewership isn't there. I mean, I think there's ways to increase viewership, but um, the racing market, again, is only so big, and it's not nearly as big as overall esports market. I mean, the viewership on some of those big esport events are, you know, millions of people watching uh, live, and you're just, it's never going to happen. I mean, I, I just blank. It's never going to happen in sim racing that you're going to have millions of people. Uh, well, you could have possibly a million people, but millions of people watching live at once. It's just not going to happen. So you're not going to have the kind of money that some of those guys make. You know, some of those top esport guys they make they make like six figures uh, a month. Like there's some insane numbers out there. They're making millions of dollars a year. Um, that's not going to happen here, but it'd be nice to see it where if you could have a official series and you have someone who's like a Joe Gibbs or Hendrick eSport driver that maybe they can get on the payroll and maybe they can make like, you know, 40, 50, $60,000 a year. You know, not much, but enough to make a living because this takes a tremendous amount of time to do. Uh, and something else that was really cool, uh, Michael Conti, who won the 2014 uh, NASCAR Peak Antifuries uh, Series, uh, he, he had a comment to Parker Kligerman's uh, idea that I thought was pretty interesting, and uh, I saw on Twitter, and he said that, To Parker's point about the, the potential of NASCAR eSports, while I can't divulge what top drivers in the NASCAR Peak Series make, I can say that the highest paid driver is probably barely topping four digits, Sponsorship dollars for an 18 race season. I can also say that tweets about my NPAS events and results topped over 100,000 impressions throughout 2017 season. The potential for ROI is massive at the point because the market's going rate is low for now. With a bit more marketing, sponsors and teams alike can stand to profit from a deal with a NASCAR iRacing esport team. So, I really like, I think there's a lot of good stuff there in that, 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 that comment. First off, you know, these guys are making like, you know, make, maybe making, you know, four figures, maybe making a thousand bucks a year, two thousand, three thousand off sponsorship. That's very little for the amount of time and effort goes into this. I know there's people out there that want to say, well, they're just playing a game. Uh, and we fall in the same thing here on this channel. People go like, well, you have, you know, this is your day job. You know, you're, 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 you have a job to go play video games. Well, you know, <laughs> a vast amount of my time isn't playing a game. It's editing videos and running this or that. Uh, you know, trying to put shit together, build build rigs. Um, you know, there's a lot of other stuff to it, setting up cameras, that isn't playing uh, and isn't fun. So, you know, these guys go and they put a lot of hours and, you know, talk about what they're making per hour. You know, these guys are probably making like, you know, 
a buck an hour, maybe at best for the amount of time they put into it. So it doesn't make it makes it so it's not feasible to be a full time job. And it'd be nice to see guys be able to hook up with real world teams, whether it's NASCAR or talking about Formula One. Um, that's probably about it. <laughs> I don't think IndyCar has enough money to uh, add someone else to the payroll. But uh, it'd be nice to see some of these these teams in these uh, sports that in these version these racing series that have a little more money that can go and just make a living being able to do this. And I think that's something that could be feasible. They could get enough sponsorship and they could be out there peddling uh, the sponsors. It could be a value added. Uh, as Michael Conti uh, noted here, you know, impression-wise, he had over 100,000 impressions. You know, there is a there is a return on investment on that. There is an ROI. Um, is it a straight one-to-one ROI? Probably not, you know, because the impressions, again, people scrolling through what counts as impression. You know, are they actually really reading it? Um is everything you you tweet out there have a sponsor plug in it? Not necessarily. So uh, you know that number obviously isn't that isn't necessarily that high, but it can still be pretty high. So um, I think that's one of the golden things that esports and sim racing should reach for. It's being able to go and have teams that are associated with real world teams because if, until you have that, there's no money to make in this. The guys just aren't going to make money. Uh, the views are going to be, you know, the, the views will continue to increase probably because more and more people find out about it uh, and they go and they watch it. But, you know, you're not going to see that hockey stick growth until you get on board with someone like a Joe Gibbs Racing that has, uh, you know, 200,000 plus followers on Facebook or something like that, where hundred or half of their, their, their followers were able to go and, you know, possibly see a race as they scroll through in their Facebook feed. And maybe they stopped and watched it. I, I stopped and watched one of those races one night, and there was a good amount of people watching it. There was a good amount of chat. Uh, I was actually pretty impressed. So, you know, from that standpoint, I do think there's an avenue there. And then the last point of it is, you know, you hope that some of those guys that are able to go and maybe get to a top rung in an F1 or, or NASCAR uh, e-racing series might possibly have a chance at a real-world um, experience or ride at some point. Um, I, I kind of... W- it's too bad that today real world racing isn't like the 90s or early 2000s, at least when I think of like the NASCAR world. Because back in those days, if you had talent, you could get a ride. Guys like Jeff Gordon had talent, got a ride. Uh, the early 2000s, you know, Parker uh, Clearman, he was part of this whole phase of all this. You got to have a development driver, you got to have a development team. That, you know, all these NASCAR teams had so much money that they won, they had the, these development programs, whether it was Team Penske or the Gong Show over at uh, Roush or whatever, uh, there was development there. And if you had talent, you got a ride. Unfortunately, these days, you have to have money and have a sponsor to get a ride. And very few people that are purely talent-based get in. But, you know, it'd be cool to see maybe there's a situation where you have a team that's very strong and has the funding. that They could go and see like, hey, this guy's doing really well. Uh, in the e-racing, let's see what he can do in the real thing. You know, I'm excited to see what happens with uh, Rudy Van Baren here and and, uh, and and McLaren. I think there's a chance we could see him get into maybe their GT3 car uh, or something like that and really show off his talent. I mean, obviously, you know, we've seen this before. I mean, even now, there was an article not that long ago talking to um, uh, William Byron, who uh, won the Xfinity NASCAR Championship this year he's going into the 24 car next year in the cup series well this year in the cup series and you know 
one of his biggest, you know, he started racing on iRacing. I mean, he, the kid's like, he's like 19 years old or something. He's super young. And when he was like 13, he got an iRacing subscription and he started racing and that's where he really learned. And then he started doing the real world stuff in tangent to iRacing and the whole, pretty much the whole article. Him and one of the, another young guy, they're kind of like, yeah, I mean, training on iRacing, that's what did it. And it's like, and I, I've seen, I've raced plenty of real world drivers on iRacing too. Um, so obviously there is a development there and the guys that can be fast in the sim world, not all of them, but I think a lot of them can go and transfer that to the real world and be quick. And maybe a little more of a proper esports series can elevate a handful of them up. I mean, again, so much now is tied to having money. Um, you know, I think it'll be rare, but I think it'd be potential that a couple of guys in the right situation could possibly boost themselves up into a real race car and really show what they can do. So that's kind of my thought on esports uh, and sim racing. I think there's just a lot of hype right now that this is going to go and this is going to take on real racing and you're going to get as many viewers as, as they do for the real thing on Sundays. And I just don't see that. I can see a growth in viewership, um, but I really do think that there needs to be a connection between uh, your current sim racing teams and the real world teams and series that you know have financial and they can tie together and maybe make this more, um, what can I say, a genuine job you know get get on the payroll and then use the reach of these teams and these series like nascar and formula one to go and really up the viewership of the esports things and maybe a couple guys will be able to go and take that over to the real world but uh and then also i think and if that can get larger there i think you will get younger people to see that and get more interested um will you get a ton of young people into it i don't know because so much right now of, of the gaming industry in general is People rather watch people play games online than play it themselves. So uh, I don't think that's as much of a one-to-one transfer as people like to say it is, but I do think that will help out a bit. So I think there is potential there. I'm just a lot more cautious on what the potential can be of sim racing esports than I think a lot of, I don't know, a lot of our little microcosm is. Okay, let's go ahead and get to happenings and uh, try to do it in a reasonable manner since uh, this show's gotten long and my voice is getting tired. Um, I knew it was going to be a long one because I wanted to go and hit on some things. And again, I kind of see this as more of a podcast than uh, actually sit down and watch on YouTube. But anyway, um, or at least you watch on YouTube, kind of play it in the background while you dink around. Uh, let's get the happenings. And uh, first up, um, you might, I don't know if you can see on the computer behind me. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, but uh, I've updated, I've upgraded my GPU here recently, and I did it just in the nick of time. So right before Christmas or around Christmas, I don't know what it was, I went and I picked up a 1080 Ti. Going up from my 1070, I had in there, man, what an improvement! I think I did uh, the benchmark in a set of Corsa, and I maxed everything out here on the bat. Uh, everything I didn't do any post processing filters because I hate those. Um, but Mac, do it, maxing it out the benchmark, I think I was like at 77 FPS on the 1070, which is pretty good. I mean, the sort of course that runs um, really well in terms of frames per second. And then on the 1080 Ti, same settings, I got 133 frames per second average, which is just like 
insane. I was also able to go and when I took when I was racing, uh, when I was trying to review the Toby Eye Tracker here, I um, ooh loud. I went and I uh, had that on the 4K TV out in the living room, and I took my PC out there and I maxed out F1 2017 in 4K. And I was able to do the benchmark at Melbourne uh, during the day, av- average like 75 frames per second. It was just insane to be able to go and push that many pixels, max out graphics, and uh, do that well. So um, 1080 Ti, it's a beast. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually, I haven't hooked up uh, the Oculus Rift yet, but I want to hook up the Oculus because that's one of the things. The 1070, I just felt like didn't have enough power to run the Oculus. I had to turn things down so much, it was just like, you know... Too much of a pain to really use. Um, so I'm excited to go and hook that up and see if I can have the graphical fidelity at a level where it isn't so distracting. Um, that's something else from CES I've got to hit on. Uh, the Vive have the Vive Pro coming out with uh, more resolution, which is great to have more resolution, but I just don't know if the PC is powerful enough. Because again, I feel like it takes like a 1080 Ti to like properly run uh, the Oculus or the Vive. So I don't know if, you know, more screen resolutions needed in VR. I just don't know if we have the computing power yet. But anyway, uh, another topic. Um, oh, I was going to get out here on the GPU. Uh, by the way, if you're looking to buy a new GPU, like a 1070 or, or 1080 or 1080 Ti, good luck. Uh, the, the Bitcoin mining is out of control right now. And if you go like on Amazon or Newegg, you cannot find them. I mean, I got my graphics card right at the, right when... I pretty much got it days before they all went out of stock. And, um, I mean, even cards that they were putting up at a premium of like a thousand bucks or $1,100 or $1,200 for a 1080 Ti, I mean, they're just sold out. I mean, they're sold out everywhere. You go to go over to NVIDIA's website, they're sold out of all of their cards. I mean, you just cannot find them. And uh, now it has allowed me to go and put my 1070s up on eBay and sell them for uh, more than I paid for them which is crazy. 1070s right now are going like in the $600 price range, uh, which is quite insane for a car that was in the 400s when it was brand new, used ones. So uh, yeah, the Bitcoin market has just made a mess of the whole graphics card uh, market. So um, if you're looking to get a new graphics card, good luck. If you have an extra one that you're looking to get rid of, this is the time to do that. Um, it's crazy. On to the final topic here in happenings, and I have this as happenings here. Um, so this was a way, especially in an episode that's as long as this, to um, really bury the lead and one of the primary motivations behind uh, doing this Twizzer episode. So um, you may have noticed that content has been a little light here recently, and um that is because I am no longer a full-time employee with Inside Sim Racing because I have accepted an engineering position with an aerospace company and going, I've gone back to engineering full-time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's more. <laughs> That's what's happening. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to, uh, how to put this into words. But, uh, yes, I've... I'm no longer full-time because I have a full-time job and uh, a full-time day job back in engineering, and there's just not enough hours in the day to do this full-time as well. Um, you know, the reason I went back to doing engineering was, I mean, I mean, literally, it was, it was really just a, a 
family decision. Um, you know, the pay is way more than what I'm doing, than what I was making with Inside Sim Racing. Uh, and that, not that Inside Sim Racing was paying me peanuts. You know, I, I, I've been making enough money to, you know, if I wasn't married, uh, which I'm still am married. My wedding ring broke. What happens when you buy a rubber band rubber ring? Uh, r- rubber band wedding ring. Um, but it's... You know, if I was by myself, I'd make enough money to go and probably rent a two-bedroom apartment and, you know, pay the rent and, you know, have enough money for food and pay off, pay the the car payments, um, and probably not much more than that. So I was making enough to make a living, um, but, you know, it certainly was less than what I was making when I was doing engineering by a good amount, and essentially I had an offer, offer come through that I just could not pass up, um, you know, way more money than what I was even, uh, even asking for, or even expecting, uh, to get back. So, um, yeah, between the pay and, you know, benefits, it's nice to have, uh, health insurance, it's nice to have a 401k with matching, it's nice to have a three weeks vacation a year, uh, every other Friday off, um, there's just a lot of benefits there, so, um, pretty much it came down to a purely, you know, purely math deal where it was just uh, too good of an opportunity to pass up on. And, um, you know, also not only with Inside Sim Racing, all this equipment here, lights, camera, uh, microphone, you know, I, I, I pay for all the stuff out of my pocket. And obviously there's some things that, you know, are nice to get, like, you know, upgrading the PC back there. And it can be used as a tax write-off, but, you know, if you own your own company, you realize that when you buy things for your company, the tax write-off is, like, very little. <laughs> it doesn't really make up for all those taxes you have to pay in April uh, every year, which is it's 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 substantial. Um, I, it was very substantial paying taxes last year. You know, I I pulled money out of my retirement savings to pay taxes. So um, you know, just from a brass tax type of deal, uh, you know, I went with I went with a job that that I was able to pay way more money and, and allow, you know money for me and my family and and you know to put into this house and to have have me put into retirement savings not just my wife you know thank god she's had a she's a physical therapist and she's she has a a good paying job because she's a doctorate degree um you know but you know now i kind of got to the point where it's my time to hold up my end of the the bargain in this relationship and um uh and also you know it's also a time thing um Doing an engineering job, I work 40 hours a week. I wake up, I go to work, I work, I, I leave work at 5, 6. I've already started. Um, and I don't think about it. I don't think about it. I don't stay up all night working on it, editing, staring at computer screens, burning my eyeballs out, my eyes that I got LASIK surgery on last March. Um, and definitely staring at screens is um, not good for your health. Um, playing video games is... <laughs> Sim racing isn't the, the bad part of staring at screens. It's the it's the video editing and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it's I normally spend sixty hours plus sixty eighty hours a week on this, and uh, a lot of times when you know my you know my wife's home, my my daughter, my stepdaughter, bonus bonus daughter. That's what I like to call her. I think it's a little more positive than stepdaughter, but we have we have her half the time. And there's plenty of times where um, you know. I'm not spending time with them because I'm working. 
And uh, I think that's reflected in the content we've had uh, over the past couple years, where it kind of ebbs and flows how much videos get out. I think there's times like uh, 2017, for example, uh, August, September, October, um, we had, we were, we were having, we had like over a million views a month on the channel, like 1.3 million at one point over a 30 day span on YouTube. Cause you know, I busted my ass and I got out uh, F1 2017 review and WRC 7 review, uh, Forza Motorsport 7 review. Uh, what else? There was Project Cards 2, the Grand Turismo Sport, there was hardware reviews in there. You know, I really chopped down and got out a lot of content. You know, E3. Uh, E3, I went and I uh, bought a gaming laptop for $1,300 that I could edit on at E3. Um, you know, and I, and I uh, got videos out then. And, I, uh, and, then, and then after that, there was kind of a break because, you know, you're just so exhausted from just burning the candles at both ends, going to bed at 4 in the morning, waking up at 8. Um, they get tired, and then there was kind of a lull there in uh, July, where I didn't really get much out. Then August, it picked back up, and it was, again, it was very heavy there through October, and then I was worn out again because I spent those I spent those months just really working, and um, you know, not spending much time with my family. <laughs> it kind of got, I got worn out, and then and then and that's kind of the, the dichotomy that I always fought with here, um, where. For me to do quality work on the channel, I had to put all of myself into it. It was like an all or nothing type thing. Um, and this is a flaw on my part, you know. I mean, Darren was definitely better at balancing the work-life stuff than me. He was definitely better at getting in there and, uh, you know, keeping it a little more 9 to 5. It wasn't always 9 to 5, and there was always working weekends, and there was, you know, stuff like that. But... You know, for whatever reason, I found myself a lot of times, you know, spending late nights doing it, you know. Uh, my wife going to bed and me not going to bed with her, which, you know, she never liked. Um, and so, yeah, it got me in these spurts where I was all work, all work, and then exhausted. And then I was like, oh, hi, family. Good good to meet you. <laughs> who, who are you? Um, and so then I, then I spent time trying to make it up there. And then, get, then we get heavy again, and it was like, okay, here we go. Um, so it was very, it's very ebb and flow like, and, um, you know, I can be a bit of a workaholic and if I was single, um, I think I would have continued and maybe I wouldn't have taken a look outside at, you know, getting back to a, uh, a normal day job, even though by, even though inside sim racing is by far more challenging than engineering. Um, and at least for me, um, so, um, yeah, but it, but you know, with me having a family, and I'm probably in this little space of sim racing YouTube, I'm probably in the minority of having a family. Uh, I feel like everyone else is pretty much no kids, single, or have you know in a relationship with someone who uh, helps out or supports it. Um, you know, if I was single, I could probably go and I could probably keep going, and I would just burned a candle at both ends and I would get stuff done or work at night when I had really good motivation and, you know, thoughts were really flowing and sleep during the day and it'd be no big deal. Um, and I'd be in an apartment where I wouldn't have to maintain on like a house that we're doing a ton of work on and yard to mow and shit like that. Um, but that's not my situation. It's not my situation and I have a family and, um, you know, I've 
haven't been the best husband, haven't been, you know, by best I mean attentive husband, haven't been the most attentive bonus dad um, to my seven-year-old. And, uh, you know, it kind of got to a point where it's like, you know, where's your priorities at? And, you know, decided priorities family. Um, and even though, and then, and, um, which is kind of funny to say, because I mean, one of my, one of my big gripes and something else that's kind of, you know, pushed me away a little bit of frustration with this, with this gig is, uh, you know, some of the fan base, most of the fan base, you guys are great. Um, you know, 90% of people out there, it's like 90%, 10% that are super supportive and great. There's a 10% of people that just take things too seriously. Um, you know, maybe could spend a little more time with, you know, family or friends or, you know, understanding that there's something outside of sim racing. Like this isn't the end all be all, end all be all. This isn't the most important thing in the world. Uh, there's other things in life that are more important. So, um, yeah, I just decided for my family and even a bit for my health, physical, mental, um, like I said, I, I, uh, you know, physically burning out my eyes, not sleeping, drinking a bunch of energy drinks that make me feel like shit, not working out, just, you know, um, again, you know, these are, these are, these are somewhat on me. I'm sure I could be more productive and more focused during the day and get things done where I'm not having to go and uh, really do the late nights. I, you really can't avoid the late nights when, when software review comes out. Those, those things are like, you get the game a couple days before, and you got to go at it, and you got to get those videos out. And um, I would love to spend more time with the game, because that would give a better review. But then, you know, if you release it a month or two later, everyone's already bought it and made a decision, and it's over. You kind of got to jump on it. Um, so those, those things are pretty tough. Um, but yeah, you know, it just, you know, it, it does, it does take a little bit of a toll on, it did take a toll on me physically and, uh, you know, it takes, it takes a toll on me mentally sometimes having to read the comments section. You know, I've, I've stopped, I haven't been reading the YouTube comments for the most part over the past, I don't know, probably since October, probably around that range, you know, probably since, uh, you know, probably since the Gran Turismo Sport Review, because it's just like, it's just, the YouTube comment section is just a trash can fire. <laughs> on, at least on those videos when you get a lot of views. And you get a lot of people that are outside this little ecosystem that is like, you know, the viewers who watch this show. Um, you know, it's just it's just a bunch of shit. And it's just like, you know, you just don't need it. And, you know, I try my best to filter things out. And I do filter out a fair amount of things. But, I mean, it's true with, with anything. I've heard other people that do create, creative stuff uh, say this, you know, you can read a po- 100 positive comments and then you read one negative one that's that negative one that sticks in you. you know, that, that's a hard thing you kind of got to push out. And, um, you, know, you know, at some point you just, you just kind of ask yourself, why am I subjecting myself to this? You know, why am I subjecting myself to get frustrated from comments from people that I'll never meet? And if I did meet in real life, I probably wouldn't give a damn what they think, you know? Because it's probably like, you know, it's just, you're probably like, you're off or odd or, you know, whatnot. Um, and not that there hasn't been, you know, constructive criticism is fine. I've never had any problem with that. But it's just some of, the, some of the comments just get, like, really, really in the mud. And it's just like, you know, what are, what are we doing here? What, what am I doing here? Why, why do I go to the computer and, you know, read through comments and I go out and then I'm, I'm frustrated. And my wife's like, what's wrong with you? You know? 
and I'm, or, or I take it out and, and you know yell, yell at my kid, you know, because because I'm because I'm irritated, you know. It's just like why? And, uh, and quite frankly, this little break that we've had the last few weeks, I've been a lot more. Um, it's been nice, you know, not not having to read comments, not have to worry about what people are going to think of a video I'm working on. Um, sleeping, sleeping has been nice. Going to bed at the same time as my wife is nice. Um, multiple reasons. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, those things and getting back into a normal nine to five and a bit of routine and things like that uh, is, is very nice. You know, a little bit of structure goes a long way. So um, I've quite enjoyed the timeout. Now, with that said, um, I'm not saying I'm completely gone from inside sim racing. I'm just saying right now that right now I'm part time, but I don't know what that's going to mean. You know, the inside sim racing, another thing that's been something that got me, you know, kind of going down this road is we have new ownership. Uh, Darren's not involved anymore and Darren, I trusted tremendously and I consider a very good friend and, uh, someone I'll always go to bat for regardless of what some people think out there, which is also very annoying. Because, um, I mean, obviously, there's been times where Darren's uh, brain and mouth have disconnected. And there's been, he said some, you know, bad things. Um, and I've told him that, he knows. Uh, but, you know, the amount of grief he gets is, isn't proportional. And, you know, and people, you know, there's been people he talked about, I talked to, I talked to him uh, recently on the phone. He's saying how, like, you know, there's people who he's had to work with, work for some experience now, and work with them. And people that, have said like I didn't like you, but now that I've talked to you on the phone, you know, I see you're a good dude. And it's like, and it's like, you know, Darren's a great guy. I I, I lived with him and his family for like six months. You know, <laughs> if he was a shitty guy, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done that. And I, and I learned a lot from him. You know, even some of his parenting skills. You know, dealing with that, and um, you know, so yeah, you know that Darren's great. But, uh, you know, with him now out of the picture ownership-wise, you know, there's, you know, I don't I don't necessarily f- entirely know what's going to be happening. You know, some things going to stay status quo. Some things I believe are going to be changing. And, uh, but, you know, regardless, it just creates uh, uncertainty. And, you know, uncertainty, when you're not the owner, can lead to uh, you being on the wrong side of history. So, you know, me, you know, could, you know, what if I lose my job? Then I'm kind of left without, you know, an income. So, um, yeah, you know, multiple things there that kind of led me to uh, decide to go down this path. But anyway, you know, I, I still have interest staying in sim racing. Um, I'm still interested in doing hardware reviews. Um, you know, possibly even doing a weekly show like this or bi-weekly. Uh, you know, that's a possibility. It just really comes down to... I have major time constraints between, you know, a day job, my family, working on this house, um, you know, uh, activities. There's just been, you know, even doing stuff. You know, there's a lot of things I passed up. You know, I, I had opportunities to go to go see real races last year that I passed up on because I was like, oh shit, I got to work. <laughs> I need that weekend. You know, my, my wife works every other weekend, and those weekends she's off, I need that time to go and, and get videos out. And, you know, I just felt like I couldn't step away. I couldn't take any time off. So, um, yeah, you know, that, that's just... So, yeah, that, that's going to be tough. So, I don't... At this point, I don't know how involved I'll be. Um, now, I will say, if you've been looking to get into this industry, uh, maybe now's the time. <laughs> 
So sh- shoot me an email at john at insidesimracing.tv. I can, I can pass your information on to uh, the power at B uh, if, you want, if you want my job. But, um, you know, I, I hope I can at least stay in part-time um, in some form. I do have ideas of how to do it and, and have it not be so time-consuming. Um, but I don't want to give out those ideas because anytime I, I, I feel like I've had a lot of decent ideas, but if I, if I give out a good idea, someone else steals it. So that's annoying. Um, so I don't want to give out those ideas yet. Um, I'm going to keep those to my chest, but, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where things go. And, um, you know, I will say a summation, I, I hope, you know, if this is getting towards the end of the road for me, um, on inside sim racing or sim racing coverage in general, um, I do hope that the work I've done has been, uh, has been helpful and, uh, you know, I'm, I know I know there's plenty of you out there who do appreciate it. I see the comments. Uh, I get the emails. We get some more emails here recently, people kind of reaching out. Uh, and I haven't responded, but I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, you know, there's some things I wish could have done better. You know, I kind of give my, I mean, I'm, I'm my hardest critic, and I kind of give myself like a C rating. I think there's some things that have been really good. Like, I, I'm really proud of a lot of the, the hardware reviews we've done recently and the software reviews. Um, you know, I wish there was less breaks in between videos. Uh, I wish some things could have been done faster. I wish some ideas that I had could have, you know, made it out there. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of left on the ground floor, mostly just because of a uh, time constraint or whatnot. Um, I wish I figured out my internet issues sooner so I could, could do more live stuff. <laughs> only only recently got, uh, I think, the internet working as of like yesterday to where I was getting like 24 megabytes per second upload speed, getting a new uh, new router, a new modem, and stuff like that. I'm like, damn it, I wish I could have had this, you know, back over the summer when I update, upgraded my internet, I still only had 13 up, which isn't bad, but, you know, anyway, uh, that's beyond the point at this point. But, um, yeah, so, uh, it's been some, it's been good, it's been good, good and bad, uh, you know, mixed in here. Uh, I do want to say, I do want to thank some people in case this is getting towards my swan song. Uh, Darren, of course, you know, allowed me to come, come back to Ohio, move the business. Um, you know, obviously it created more work me just doing this alone, but then again, Darren was transitioning out to, to some experience working there, which, um, I, I totally, I totally get that. Um, you know, wanting to go and get into off the camera and all the, you know, the negatives that come along with being in front of the camera and get to more just talking to people. I mean, just the other day I was, uh, you know, we have a consult, we do consulting through Inside Sim Racing and we don't get, people don't take us up on it often, but someone did, someone who's looking to start from scratch, here's the budget, what do I get? And uh, it was so nice talking to them on the phone for like over an hour and, you know, hearing what they want to do and giving them feedback and they were very appreciative of the information I was giving them for just a hundred bucks. So, because the guy was going was using sim racing to go real racing, go race some pretty sweet shit too, um, and it was so nice having that one on one conversation and not just you know reading something on a screen. Uh, so I definitely understand Darren, uh, you know, really enjoying what he's doing now and being able to have that more personal uh, interface with people. Um, you know, sponsors, Thrustmaster has been amazing. Uh, I racing's been great. You know, I you know. This, we've reached out to software companies, you know, developers before about sponsorship, and you know, haven't gotten the most 
warm response, but iRacing's always been there and been a big fan of them since the beginning, before, way before I ever joined uh, Inside Sim Racing. Uh, Next Level Racing, those guys there have also been great uh, with their sponsorship. So um, wanted to shout out to those kind of three companies for supporting this and seeing the importance and, and supporting this and also seeing the return on investments. I mean, all the time, people come and we get, get a lot. You know, Darren said he's gotten this a lot working with sim experience. People are like, I got into sim racing and I, you know, bought this or that because of, you know, seeing your show. It's like, you know, people that are especially getting into it do really respond to what we do and, um, and the sponsorship. And, I, and hopefully, you know, that sponsorship can go forward here on the show. Or just in general, I hope that, you know, people that are involved in this industry see the value in sponsoring, you know, people, creators, people on YouTube doing these videos. Uh, you know, personally, there's a lot more ROI in sponsoring an Inside Sim Racing or any other YouTube channels out there than there is in, like, you know, working with these racing series and doing these, like, e-racing events and stuff like that a lot of times. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of sponsorship, I assume, a lot of money to take to, to put on these events and not a whole lot of people watching. And I just don't understand why that keeps on happening, uh, where they could just cut us a check and we'll just do our thing. Um, and also, I, I ask that the audience, um, bec- I ask that the audience becomes a lot more understanding about sponsorship and content. You know, I understand that there can be a conflict of interest uh, receiving sponsorship money and then reviewing products or competitors' products or et cetera, et cetera. I understand. And that's, and I mean, but I really pride myself on being honest and upfront and, you know, calling it like it is. And, you know, even when I've said negative things about someone who sponsored us, no one's ever left over what we've said. I've never gotten one negative email from anyone who's a sponsor of us about content we've done. I've gotten negative emails from people who don't sponsor us. They give us free shit. They just expect us getting free shit to go and, and, and say it's great, which is, you know, which, which is asinine. You know, they give us something for free, which doesn't cost them very much, and then we give them a ton of advertisement doing a video. So, um, you know, that kind of blows my mind. But, uh, you know, I think the user base needs to understand that the only way we've been able to go and put out this quality content and this content that takes, you know, a lot of work, especially the reviews, and is because we had sponsors that allowed me to do it full time. And since I've gone back to work, you know, you've seen, you know, there hasn't been content because it's really tough. And I, some of you, I think it's amazing the guys that do put out the much content as they do that have a day job. Uh, I think that's very impressive because it is a lot of work. And, um, you know, I think they should be supported. And, you know, even if they're sponsored by some a, a company that you don't care for their products, you know, don't, don't give them grief. You know, don't, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it. You know, you don't have to do that. You know, you just know that because of their sponsorship, they're able to put out more content. So that's why I, I think the users should be a lot more accommodating to and nicer to. And if they are... There'll be a lot more. There'll be a lot more quality content out there, because right now there's just this big thing. If 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 you know, the users love. It's almost like when bands you know sell out. It's like I loved you when you were all punk rock and you were playing all these shows of just a hundred people, but then you went and sold arenas and you sold out, and I don't like you anymore. I mean that's what it feels like, um, and and it's kind of you know and that's quote unquote sell out, 
And I think that's kind of ridiculous. And that is detrimental to the content you get. Again, this is a, a free content. <laughs> I like to watch, I like to listen to Dinner Dinner with Racers podcast, and they like to say this is a free podcast. We do we drive around the country. You know how many thirteen thousand miles? You know all these terrible drives they do. It's crazy uh, to give you free content. So um, you know this is free, and and it allows to stay free and stay frequent. From you know the help from sponsors that can help you know help out because it is a lot more work you know uh, one thing I'm looking forward to is just getting back to sim racing yeah you know, I, I miss just racing I'm really looking forward to running the Daytona 24 next weekend because I you know when you're doing the videos you spend so much time with the reviews and editing and uh, and some way I feel guilty to just go race for fun because uh, I feel like I'm racing for fun I'm putting off normally like a piece of hardware so. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, if I could pick one or the other, I'd much rather just go race for fun and not have to worry about setting up cameras and getting uh, OBS to, re- to record, uh, you know, my middle screen or whatever and, you know, all this audio and stuff. You know, it is a lot more work. So, um, yeah, I just want to say that little little rant here that uh, I hope that the user base can be more supportive and a little more understanding um, that this isn't all, this isn't just guy, you know, there doesn't need to be a jealousy for people that are able to make a living playing video games because it's not that. You know, I didn't make a living playing video games. I make a living making videos, running a website, um, you know, recruiting sponsors. Uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot more to it. it. You know, getting paid to go buy equipment to give you a more quality finished product. Uh, so there's a lot more to it. And uh, I just ask that you more understanding. So um, uh, with that note, I think it's time to end this odyssey. And uh, hopefully I thoroughly buried the lead of uh, this conversation here and what's going on with me and the potential future. Um, but hopefully things will be clarified coming in the coming months. Like I said, I like to stay around doing things part-time. But if you don't see me for a while, you know, this is why. This is why I've been gone for a bit. And this is why, you know, there's a good chance I... I might only pop back periodically or not at all. You know, I I don't know how this is going. It's the the company going forward. I mean, it's it's, it's out of my control. So uh, you know, we will see. So with that, uh, I want to end on the. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's always hard to stick these landings. Um, I want to end on a quote from former IndyCar car announcer Marty Reed. Who, by the way, was one of, is it should go down in history as one of the worst play-by-play people ever in racing or in sports in general. I mean, it was truly awful. There's plenty of videos out there of just Marty Reed saying dumb stuff on YouTube, like multiple. It's just it's a compilation. It's 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 awful. Terrible announcer on on ABC. Always bad coverage. Always terrible coverage for IndyCar. But anyway. What gave, what gave me a little bit of respect for him was one line he said uh, back in the race where Dan Weldon was uh, was killed back in Las Vegas 2011. Which, by the way, if you listen to Dinner with Racers, and you should listen to that podcast, the Paul Tracy one, oh, he gets into some detail of, you know, seeing Dan after the crash by accident. And, um, oh, that was a hard one to hear. But uh, anyway, he uh, he said when they announced that he had been killed, that uh, he says when he leaves the broadcast, he never says goodbye. 
he says until next time because goodbye is so final and he's and at the time he said you know goodbye dan walden um so i'm not gonna say goodbye for now but i'm gonna say uh until next time i hope you enjoyed watching see you guys